Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris Forte and John Moises. I'm John Moises. That is Chris Forte. Live brave. This is the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hello, to the show. Humble Warriors. Whoa, that was the intro. So on today's show, we have a special guest coming on board, John Spider Sally. Bad boys. All right, so we'll, we'll be looking forward to talking to him about his NBA career and what he's doing now. Uh, but before that, I want to thank everybody for subscribing to the Humble Warrior Podcast on iTunes, following us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod, and liking the Humble Warrior Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. So today, before we have John on the show, I want to talk about competition, winning and losing, as it relates to this spiritual conversation we have and personal growth, because I think one of the challenges that we have is that there's always, we always, a lot of times you view things as I have to win or I'm going to lose. Mm-hmm. Or there's always a winner, there's always a loser. But is that really the case? And if so, how do you deal with it? Or if it's not the case, then how do you measure it? Does it even matter? And you're a former athlete. Right. You actually are the loser <laughs> <laughs> of the Little League World Series. Yeah, big in day. In 1983. Yeah. But... Which is, I think, has, it was was a very profound moment in your life. Yes. And has put you down this path of many things. But when you're looking at things, you know, in business, especially business, there's always, we got to win, we got to be the best, right. we got to be top, we got to be number one. But a lot of times that's not, I've found, is not the most healthy attitude to take. No, and... In a way, depending how one looks at it, you're really set up to fail. No, oh, yeah. Oh. You're really set up to fail. Tell me about it. I mean, because define winning. Define, like, is it is it holding up that trophy? Let's mm. say, talk about sports and winning sure. winning it yep. at that moment when you're on top of it. And then you got, you got next year, right? Right. So the win is we've won it. We're the champion. And then tomorrow it's gone, right? Sure. So I think as being an athlete, though, and when you when you follow any athlete, especially professional athletes, they've run so many miles. You know, they played when they were a kid. They played in college, high school, college. Then they've played, you know, as an adult life, and then they look back, and then they don't really at their retirement speech. They don't talk about all the championships. They just talk about the journey, the camaraderie, the camaraderie. Sure. All the good times. I'll miss the guys. Right. You know? The winning, the winning of the championship, that's like the cherry on top, let's say. If if, if you are a champion, you know? To me, to Dan Marino's a champion. He never won a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. He had a great NFL career. Mm-hmm. So I think as far as spirituality and part of the path, and I'll just use my path, is... It's information for us to winning in the game of life. If if one defines themselves like, I won this, I didn't win that, and you start defining yourself mm-hmm. based on that, and we're that we're just talking sports. I mean, we could talk business all day long, right? You know, what is it about winning business? The competition is like your competitor, right? I mean, what is the ultimate, you've been more in the business world, you know, you work for a bigger company, but what, define winning for me when you talk winning within a company, what does that, what does that mean, right? Yeah, well, a lot of times it means making the most money, being the best company there is, having the most customers, and look, winning awards from other, right? you know, places that measure you. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it seems like those are short-term live too. Right, right. I, I could it, be wrong. It's just, no, it's just but a, I think it's, it's hard. Observation. I, yeah. Well, I think that's why this conversation is interesting, is because it is one of those things when you talk about winning and losing, that always happens. 
And I think the challenge with the winning and losing is not so much whether or not you're a winner or a loser. It's the men, it's your mental thought process of the result. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with the result? Your thought process of why you're doing, why you're working so hard towards something. I know in the past that I've worked to win things, to win championships, to be the best at something. And that was my, I was obsessed. That's my sole goal was to be the best. And I would get up every morning. I'd be like, I got to do this. I have to do all these activities so I can win. And at the end of some of those, actually almost all of them, when if I did make it and won, like you said, it was a, it was a little hollow where I was in, I, I thought it was going to be something bigger and I thought I was going to have these different feelings. But at the end, I just felt like, okay, I won it. Mm-hmm. Now what? Right. I think one of the challenges is when you're seeking to to that top achievement that once you get there and you get that feeling of emptiness, you have to do it again or you got to find something else to conquer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the best thing or the healthiest thing. No, it, it's not. And that's what we've been conditioned, you know, to of, of winning and losing. I think the deeper question is why? Why do you want to win the championship right. so bad? And it's to look back and it's good to work hard, you know, absolutely to to accomplish a goal and what have you. And I think the lesson is, is when that when you win that championship or you get that award is you reward yourself for all the hard work and just knowing what it takes because you may not win next year and not put that unnecessary pressure on yourself in a way and judge yourself and I guess judge yourself or others based on winning or losing. Because if we did that, I believe we lose most of the time. Most of the time, we don't win the championship. Oh, sure. You know, most of the time, we don't get the award. Right. And I think it's through losing and how we respond to that, we learn about ourselves. And we learn ourselves, too, a lot about winning, especially if we got that hollow feeling. Right. So I think winning and losing are teachers. In a way, when we're talking spirituality, as far as winning the ultimate game, which I believe is life, mm-hmm. winning the game of life. And really, the competition is within. No, I think that's a big thing. That's it's always it's, it's at always, the end of the day. It's inside of you. Right. And it's overcoming those thoughts of I can't do it or. All right. Or, or I'm tired or I have to stop and overcoming and keep pushing forward and keep moving. Right. All right. Well, yeah. I think we'll pick this up a little bit more after we have John Shelley online. I think he's Sounds about good. to dial in, and uh, we'll talk about competition some more. Yeah, he'll be a good guy to talk to about. Oh, yeah. We'll ask him. Perfect. And we're back on the Humble Warrior podcast with our special guest today, John Sally. Detroiters might know him as Bad Boy Spider Sally, a two-time NBA champion with the Detroit Pistons. He's also won NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls and Los Angeles Lakers. Since retiring from the NBA, John has frequently appeared in movies and on TV, including co-hosting the best damn sports show period on Fox Sports Net. Currently, John is a wellness advocate, and one of his main missions in life is to educate people on the benefits of living a healthier lifestyle through better eating habits. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast, John Spider Sally. Hello, John. Hey, what's happening? About time I get on this thing. I had to wait and wait and wait. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you coming on, you know. Uh, I'm glad I was so fortunate to meet you at, at Green Space. I know you're good friends with uh, Dr. Joel Kahn and hang out with you at VegFest and had the opportunity to taste your awesome wine, the Vegan Vine, and, and just chat with you for a little bit. And, you know, just so excited to get you on the show and want you to help us educate our listeners and, you know, what led you to adopt a plant-based vegan lifestyle and how you got all into this stuff. 1991, I went to Ohm Cafe. I was sent there by a lady named Dr. Jill Pukram, who uh, was helping me get healthy. Um, I had to change my life and my cholesterol was too high. I was getting pimples on my forehead. I was having bad relationships with, with, with people. And so, after getting my first colonic and then eating a macrobiotic diet right there at home cafe was the first place I had it. Um, it, it changed my path on what I knew I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I was, I've always wanted to be a doctor, but now 
being a certified health coach <clears throat> and working on being a um, an all-around health coach, life coach, the whole thing. We like to say um, health coach. I knew that was my path. So 1991 is when I first started, and it's never turned, never turned back. Wow, that's a lot. I, You know, I've been a fan of the – I grew up with the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons, and I never knew this side of your history. I think it's really fascinating and something that, especially today, is more top of mind. Can you tell us how that transition happened when you first started going into this type of lifestyle? Did you get immediate results from it? Oh, my God. I, I <clears throat> First, I got into it. Now, everyone knows I'm 6'11". Mm-hmm. I went down to 219 pounds. Wow. And, uh, you know, I knew I was good at talking, but I guess I was really full of it because I got that colonic. (laughs) (laughs) All those. But the pains changed. Um, I used to have muscle spasms, back problems, uh, knee problems. Man, once I started getting colonics and realizing that all disease starts in the – in the low intestines and when I started paying attention that my mind was in my gut right, right. and my brain was in my skull I started really paying attention that once everything went down whatever that was like the telephone system for everything but you have to take care of your low intestines that's in charge of your immune system is where you hold all your hydration um it's where you have your gut organ, you know, mm-hmm. your gut. Like if your gut, if you feel something in your gut, people do it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if you get a gut feeling, go with your gut. Oh. Trust me. Those are words of wisdom there. And so, I mean, so you were, you were obviously eating or, you know, changing this lifestyle while you were still playing, you know, competitive basketball. I mean, how did that uh, maybe, you know, with guys in the locker room or your close inner circle, um, you know, back in the 90s, the early 90s, no one really was kind of, you know, this lifestyle was basically obsolete. You didn't really hear much about it. I mean, how were you able to do this like on the road? Yeah, they, they even had something to say about my uh, acupuncture. I mean, wow. they did a story on me getting acupuncture for my back. And the guys, we were taking a team picture, and they wanted to laugh. And at that time, Mr. D, uh, God rest his soul, Mr. Davidson, the mm-hmm. owner of the Pistons, he was getting acupuncture every week. <laughs> they all shut up. <laughs> 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 they all got quiet. And it's funny because Dow Walker, my ex-teammate, Isaiah Thomas, they all literally um, have, at least in the past year, tried the, the vegan diet. Wow. Awesome. Which, yeah, Isaiah was opening a restaurant in Miami that um, had Mediterranean food. Uh, and that was the best way of him explaining it, which is a lot of hummus and, right. and tabbouleh and, and things like that. And I, you know, I guess there was some lamb there, but they didn't put it in everything. Awesome. So I, I, and then it was like, let me see. I, I had a, I had a cook. I had a chef. So at home, I had somebody taking care of the food. That's good. Um, saved me a bunch of money from going to restaurants. Right. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it found its way. It mm-hmm. found. I found different places. Like when I'm in Detroit now, right? Mm-hmm. I can go to Boca. Um, and I can go to Green Space. Right. I can go to Um, um Cafe. Mm-hmm. I can go to Soul Food Vegan. It's like since the 90s, it's like maybe eight or nine places in Detroit area alone that I can eat at. It's a great feeling. Yeah, isn't that awesome that, you know, Detroit is, is made such progress? I mean, you, you hear about this type of living out in, you know, the uh, California area that it's very, you know, health conscious. But I feel like, you know, Detroit, man, we're, we're making a lot of headway also. Yeah, I'm coming back, man. I decided after that trip that I was going to be a part of the rebirth of that wonderful city. Oh, we need you, man. We need you. Yeah, well, I need to be there. My daughter just left last week. She stayed over Mother's Day and was like, we're doing a reality show on um, flipping houses and in California. But I was like, we need to help build the communities in Detroit. So we're trying to figure out a way to come down there. 
maybe even up in Flint, Michigan, too. I was talking to this, trying to partner up with this guy named Bob Schaefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Khan hooked me up with him. We're going to do a bunch of things, things in, uh, in cannabis, just things in, in uh, I guess, growing. Is a great way to farm. That is still a great place. The best water and the most green I've ever seen. Um, and then Michigan is the most perfect place to start the rebirth of America. Oh, awesome, man! That that's music to my ears. I'm glad you mentioned something because I know you're very also passionate about this. Can you just give us your 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 philosophy or or your thoughts on water? Just water itself. Uh, it is the first thing I ever talk to people about. It's, um, the water is so important. Uh, when you're born, you're 90% water or something. Uh, when you die, you're below 45% water. Oh. And everybody comes to me about losing weight, getting healthy. And the first thing I say is you have to get the cleanest water uh, and the highest alkaline, and you need to drink that instead of anything else. I sell wine. I have the vegan fine wine as a place for it uh, with your meal at night <laughs> or during lunchtime if you want the wonderful white and the Chardonnay. Uh-huh. But the majority of the day should be replenishing your body or helping your body to assimilate water at least every hour, four ounces to eight ounces, six ounces an hour. And you have to have the good water that literally can penetrate the cell and help clean the cell. Okay. You, you know, you can't just drink a whole bunch of dirty water and expect um, full of mercury or full of all the different bacteria, uh, different things that were in the water. That's you want to get water that your body can assimilate. So it's important. High Kagan waters um, really has proven to change the lives of so many people. You know, you mentioned your wine. I had your wine. It's great. And John and I were talking, you know, what what makes wine vegan? Like, because we thought it was, you know, wine is like grapes. Is there something? Can you just educate us on a vegan wine? What what makes up a vegan wine? You mean to make it vegan? Yes. Well, um, in the making and the finding of the wine, in the um, when they take the wine and they crush it, and you have the skin pieces, and you don't want all those little pieces in, you throw something in that's negative to grab those positive uh, particles. So a great thing would be, it's called bentonite. Bentonite is also a great clay that um, pretty soon I'm going to be telling you guys where to get products on my website. But bentonite is a great thing to remove metals and and, um, and toxins from inside a human body. So that's the original way of uh, cleaning wine. And that's the way we do it up at the vineyard in Colachance, which is right outside San Jose in a little town called St. Martin. Mm-hmm. And uh, St. Martin. And But some people use an egg whites and isinglass and yeah. um, gelatin and casein. You know, all the words yeah. that are used not to say what it is. <laughs> Cow right. milk, uh, uh, fish, fish eggs. Um, what else? What else is used? Uh, egg whites, you know, all that different stuff. But it's so un- in abundance here in America that they try to sell it for everything. And so we don't have that. We have an organic vineyard. Um, it's not certified organic. We're we're certified su- sustainable. So everything we do, we do right inside. The vineyard, so we don't bring anything in, no pesticides, no herbicides, none of that. That's great. That's great. So, you know, what, one of the things that interests us is that, you know, you've, as a NBA player, you've been in high-pressure situations. What, what did you do in those situations to kind of calm yourself and prepare yourself in those moments? Oh, See, this is this is the I guess one of the blessings when we were talking at Green Space. Um, I, I I had a death that took a, a large uh, was a large impact on my life. My best friend got murdered mm-hmm. while I was in college, and um, and Coach Clemens got me a sports psychiatrist is what they called it. 
And this guy realized that I had anger issues and uh, anxiety issues, and he realized I had so many different things that he was helping me break through. And one of the things I think that made me, uh, one, the person I am, and two, the um, the play I was, was he talked about how I can focus for long periods of time. And he explained on why and how I can do that. And in doing that, I would sit still, man, and breathe and literally take my, he would, he would tell me how I would send oxygen down to my left toe, big toe, and then breathe in and send it down to my right toe. And he called it floating. And so when I learned how to float, um, it was like float like a butterfly. Sting, sting like, like a, a bee. bee. <laughs> <laughs> But I learned how to float, and my life changed. It was like I knew how to use breath, how to not hold my breath, mm. how to um, manifest, how literally I was in control of everything in the universe that was around me. Um, every, the closer it got to me, the more control I had. And I, I do it to this day. Like I, Even with my kids, when they get them crazy, I go, pause, breathe. Yep. <laughs> one breath at a time, and, man. Uh, one breath. Yeah, we have a program in New York. My my one of my old coaches, Ted Gustus, um, AAU coaches type. It's called One Breath, and we literally were going around in the inner city and saying to kids, like, if they were to breathe before they reacted, we would have less <clears throat> black on black crime. Yeah, you know, they're not taking a breath; they're just knee jerk reaction, fear. Um, um, ego, all kind of things kick in. If you just breathe, you can breathe all that out. Yeah. So we, I, I take it to, you know, to whatever level I can possibly take it to. I constantly tell people about breathing and how I put it in, in the thought. Uh, when I'm doing a health coaching um, course, like we start off, I literally start off with that, hey, let's take a couple of breaths and let's, you know, put ourselves in this position in this right now, at this place. And then that kind of calms them, whoever I'm talking to, because it helps them focus about being in that spot. Right. And there we are. Right. Well, breathing is such an important thing. And, and one of my teachers always says, and he says, it's God's law, not mine. I mean, <laughs> we all have to breathe. And I think yeah. we forget to do that. And I think that, yeah. that's... Yeah, breathing is so important. If you don't do it, they consider you dead. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> I'm just, and I'm just curious, John. You know, you live this healthy lifestyle. You know, the eating and and the and the breath. What activity? What other activities do you do? If if it's exercise or anything that you do, that's maybe a big part of your daily practice or your life. It's funny. I have this um this app I'm involved in. It's called Mibi M I B I, and it's a challenge map uh, app. And so I picked like 12 things I'm going to do this season in the challenge. This month, starting yesterday, um, we're doing 5,000 push-ups in a month. Whoa. And so the first week, you do 100 push-ups a day, throughout the day. Okay. Uh, throughout the time you're awake, better, better put. So, you know, I start off with 10 push-ups. Then in an hour, I do another 10. Then I may do 20. And then half an hour after that, I may do another 10. And I tell people just how I do it, building the body constantly. It's almost like working on a farm. Mm. You know, you have to go plow, then you have to pick it up, and then you have to go plow, then you have to go to this next point, catch this. It's just the old way of keeping your body constant, making it stress and stressful. And it's a focus. It's a goal. It's literally doing for something. And it's all about health and wellness to me. So I will do that. My my nephew, Raul, became a, a yoga instructor. My wife became a Pilates instructor. I did a, a yoga DVD back in the um, early 2000s called Yoga Flavor with this um, yoga instructor named Robin Downs. So I, I constantly am stretching this body. It's already stretched out from God's will, but I'm stretching it as much as possible, keeping as much oxygen inside, um, not letting any mutating cells find any place to live, meaning working really hard and not having any tumors or putting anything in my body that will cause the body to go into tumor. Um, 
just being this positive too, man. I, I focus on being positive. So those are the kind of exercises, yoga, push-ups, and stretching and positive thinking. Wow. And, you know, that, I mean, that's another thing that we have in Detroit. You know, there's so many, I mean, there is so many yoga studios here. I mean, that are, you can get any type of yoga you really want. And it's such a blessing. I do yoga. So I hear your words with that. And I love, I love this app you've created because as someone who's done physical fitness for 30 years, like, you know, John, your body changes and your body's so smart. And so to, to add push-ups or whatever other goals there may be, your body will let you know, you, you really learn a lot from your body, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. The best, best computer on the planet. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, we're... I'm excited to get you back, you know, to Detroit, like as soon as possible. And we're going to have to, you know, get you on the show live here, man, have some fun with you. But in the meantime, how can people find you, work with you or look at, you know, find your wine? What's the best way to people to get in contact with you? Okay. One of the ways is, uh, I have another app called tip talk, T I P T A L K. And you can always text me or ask for a video or anything on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, join the challenge on Mebi. I'm doing a juice challenge and a squat challenge next month. Um, I'm kindly, by the, I tell people by the time you look at your body in November, it's going to be the prettiest thing during Thanksgiving so you don't even have to kill a turkey. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> everybody else prepare for the summer. I go, nah, man. Don't get ready. Stay ready. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> right, right. Stay ready. Right. You know, don't right. This, this, this. Do keep your body moving. Um, and then you can check me on Instagram, John Sally S A L L E Y A, on Twitter, the John Sally. Um, and then I, my Facebook is all over, man. It's like a great situation. I, I, I try to get things posted. I'm working with Facebook now. I have a huge following on my fan page. And then um, have my personal page, and all of it is open. Um, and I'm trying to get them to connect, but they're, you know, they're giving me some sort of problems. But <laughs> you can find me. I'm, I'm there. I'm everywhere. I'm on Mike and Mike, uh, and I, I show up on in different podcasts, um, literally promoting this lifestyle. This is my life. Uh, this is huge, and we're gonna post these notes, and I think. This is this is definitely one of the greatest things that, you know, we've gotten to date, you know, with these apps. So now all our listeners yeah. got yeah, these apps. Those are good apps e- to promote. Yeah. So we'll be definitely yeah. and, up. And, and the reason I even promote the app, not like I'm getting a check from them or anything, is just that, you know, you can do these challenges. Yeah. And I can do a 30-day vegan challenge, a 22-day vegan challenge. And everybody can join. And you can see and other people can start helping each other. And that's kind of what it is. The more you develop community, the stronger your community becomes. So you keep developing these. And when they look at it, they'll see there's all kind of different challenges you can do. But, you know, the water challenge, juicing challenge, um, walking challenge, running challenge, all kind of things. I push everything behind health and wellness. That's great. And I think that's great for our listeners, too, because a lot of them are looking for easy ways to kind of start living this lifestyle. Um, and an app is a perfect way to do that. Well, John, I know you're a busy guy. Again, appreciate all the time you took to you know spend time with John and I. And, you know, so looking forward to getting you back in Detroit. Yeah. And, we'll uh, do a part two. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Part I, I, two. I, I'll call you before I come to Detroit and we'll see if we can set it up. Beautiful. That sounds perfect. All right, keep chugging out there, John. We love you. All right, go vegan. All right, man. So we're back. We're back. Continuing our conversation about competition after our interview with John Sally. What a what a, I didn't even know he was a vegan. Yeah, well, that, you didn't. Well, now you do. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, since 1991, I, I this is all new news to me. Yeah, and, and he I was a big. It. I know I was a big Pistons fan in mm-hmm. the 80s. Well, actually, I still am, but surprising, but great. And, yeah, it was great. And it was, you know, 
you know, talk about competition, you know, he didn't, you know, during that conversation, you know, he's a busy guy. We only had 20 minutes, but he didn't mention anything about NBA championships is the, you know, the big part of his life. He talked about, you know, the death of his friend and, you know, in college and that changed him. And, you know, the coach and learning how to breathe. And then in 91, you know, he was battling a couple things and, um, there's the mail. Thank you. And, uh, but then how, how again, food changes life with all our guests. Right. Right. This is an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. I think maybe, you know, I think, you know, to all our listeners and even to ourselves, it's like, you know, how many, how many more times do we have to hear it? (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, just eating right, eating the good foods. Right. Right. And it's really, that's always been the start with a lot of the, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, well, we've yeah. been noticing that, noticing that a lot lately yeah. with a lot of our guests and some people I've been talking to. They, like, I think it's the thing about food is that it's the easiest entry point into the lifestyle, but it's also the hardest at the same time because you know you, you have to eat. You right? have to eat. You, when you exercise, you don't have to exercise, right? So right. you can. It's easy to skip out on exercising, right? But you have to eat. But the challenge is, do you have the right stuff? Right. And can you change, can you, do you have the will to overcome what you have been eating and your maybe addictions or your desires for sweets right. and, and whatever? And I think, you know, to get back onto the pendulum of competition, mm-hmm. the competition within, in, within oneself, sure. what are you going to put in your body? Yeah. You want to win this game? <laughs> right? Yeah. So... Anyway, I know you were going to bring something up or, or what we were talking about with competition. Where do we leave off? Where of do we leave? Well, well, so we were talking about winning and losing and the kind of that empty feeling if when you win and the challenges with looking at everything as has to win, has to lose. And one of those sayings that we were talking about or I want to talk about is that saying, you play to win. Mm. Because... Do you really? Do you really play to win, or is that just, you know, a motivational speech to get you going? Right. It is. I mean, I think whatever we play to do doesn't even have to be sports. It can be a musical instrument or whatever. It can be an actor, actress. You have to go way back. That's what's been part of this great exercise of you and I. You know doing this podcast and me writing this book is I had to go really back and find out when I was the most free in my life as a child, you know, cause it happens to all of us. It's when did you, I'm going to ask you right now before I even tell when go back to your childhood, when did you feel the most free? You know, when, when I think about feeling the most free, I think it was before I ever had the thought of winning or losing. Yep. You know, when you're a kid, you just play for the, to play. Fun. Yeah, it, because it's fun. And winning or losing kind of happens, but you're not really, I remember playing with my friends. We'd play baseball. We'd do all kinds of things, games, whatever. I mean, not we even, were, go ahead, sorry. Well, yeah, we were just playing to play. You're probably not even keeping score, maybe. No, yeah, a lot of times we didn't. Yeah. A lot of times we'd reset, change teams. It, was, it didn't really matter. It was just, it was because we were just enjoying ourselves. Yeah. But then at some point. Along the way, this winning and losing comes into play. It comes in. You get you get on a team. Mm-hmm. It's organized, right? You have a coach. You have standings. You have practice. Yep. You have success. Yep. You got you got you, trophies, right? Trophies. You got stuff like, yeah. and it just keeps and it continues, right? And it doesn't have to be sports. It can be like someone who loves music or singing. You know, is is just doing that, right? And then all of a sudden. At a certain point, if music or acting or drawing, you know, there will, you know, I would think most of the time there is a competitive thing tied to that. Right. And I don't, and here's the thing. I don't think competition is bad. No. I think it's, it's, it's healthy and it's good and winning and having, keeping score and measuring all good things. But I think it's what we do with that when we internalize it, when we don't win, or if we're just out to only win. Right. Those are the things that start to lead you down a, a slippery slope. And also winning teaches you a lot. What type of winner are you? 
Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know? Are you the, are you, you know, do you respect the competition? Right. As a human being. Right. Or do you, all of a sudden, are you now better than that person or better than, sure. you know, whatever? <clears throat> you know, that rem- is, is your ego now taken over as sure. far as truly like loving the game and really loving your competitor as well? Well, now that I'm thinking about it, it reminds me of a story. When I was, I played, I played um, high school tennis, right? And I played, I had a doubles partner. We played doubles. And um, we were in the league championships. And we got through the first round, second round. And then we were waiting to see who we were going to play in the championship match. And it was one of our arch rivals that we had never beat against this other team that we, we blew out. And it was an easy win. So I looked at my coach. I'm like, oh, I hope these guys win because we can beat them. It's going to be easy. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, is that really who you want to beat? Is that how you want to win this championship? And until that point, I hadn't really thought about it. All I, th- all I wanted to do was win. So I wanted the easiest path there. Mm. And what he, was, what he taught me that day was that it's the challenge and it's your own personal growth that matters. And... I would have been a lot more satisfied beating the team that we've never beat and facing them instead of, you know, walking to a championship, basically. And I think that was an important lesson for me because I really took that to heart going forward was, was you, want, you want to try to face the best because it'll bring out the best in you. Right. And I think that's where competition is healthy. Absolutely. And... You know, I, I, I don't know why I think of tennis. I don't know why I'm thinking of tennis. Um, well, because I was talking about it. <laughs> I guess for professional. You know, it yeah. was kind of like Mart- Martina needed Chris Effort. Chris Effort needed Martina. Oh, sure. You know? Absolutely. You know, it's like Jimmy Connors and McEnroe, mm-hmm. Borg, they all needed each other. Right, you right. You know, to elevate their game. Agassi needed Sampras. Yeah. Sampras needed Agassi. Yes, sure, absolutely. You know? That's Those are great. And it's funny because tennis, unlike team sports it's you're out on an island right so it's such a mental and emotional and it's all about you at that moment and i think you you bring up something too that that could be an interesting you know tidbit here you know is there's the individual sport and then there's the team sport sure right so tennis or golf you know those are individual you know the only time there's a team sport if like in tennis there's a davis cup or golf there's a Ryder cup right but, to but have, you're still doing it yourself. You're still doing it yeah. yourself at the end of the day, right? Right, right? And to have, you know, so to have that type of, you know, pressure. Or I always, you know, always amazed by ice skaters watching the Olympics. Like the speed skaters or no, the, no, the, the Olympic, figure skaters? The figure skaters. Oh, really? Why? You know, you get on that stage, the Olympics, mm-hmm. the biggest stage. You've practiced your whole life for this. Right. And then you do, I don't know what they call that, that spin in the air it's either a double or triple axle that's what it is the double or triple axle. <laughs> okay i don't know and their whole life is revolved around you know hitting these things right and then push right and that one moment in that one moment you only got fall. one chance that's it and they fall on the ice right and you know i won i just wonder you know i mean just talk about all the hard work and the dedication to get there right and especially, you know, I'm not going to name any skaters that, that, that come to mind, but especially if you're like ex, maybe expected to win or expected oh, yeah, to yeah. medal. Sure. And then you go in that, you know, whatever you do and you wipe out. Right. And something I, that you've probably done perfect hundreds oh, of times. hundreds of times alone, you know, on, on maybe the ice, even in your backyard or whatever. And just, mm-hmm. and here you are, here you are. And. You know, when that happens, you know, what's the learning experience from that? Or sure. What, you know? Well, you you tell me. You've uh, had that experience. <laughs> I guess. At the ripe right. old age of 13. You're right. You're, right. you're on the mound. Yeah, you know. You're, you're winning. Your team is ahead in the Little League World Series. Yep. And they say, Forte, close it out. And you give up the winning run. I mean, any. What did you, what did you learn? You know, I, I've learned over time. Like that, my belief system is was not supposed to win that game, and there was a learning 
there was learning behind it. And that's taken time. Right. To learn from that. And also look back at that moment and from athletics, let's just say from sports, how I would, would played sports for the rest of my life, but also how impactful that was that n- never won the big game. Hmm. Never won the big game. Never won the big game. Interesting. Right. And especially when I had the opportunity as, as one of the players, as an instrumental person being the pitcher, right, to win that big game. Right. And, but how that moment was really a gift in my life's journey. Well, now it is. Yeah. But, but back, at then, the, back then, well, back I mean, then, you must have been crushed a little bit. I want, you know, I, you know, well, okay. So, you know, my story, right? When I let up that winning hit. Yeah. And I came off the mound. I heard a profound voice, right? Well, and but you didn't realize that. I didn't now. realize it back, to, to, then, yeah. back then and had to recount everything of the big moments in my life and totally dismissed it and really dismissed that voice for a long time. But as I write the book and connect the dots, like we all do, we all have big moments in our life that could be sports, non-sports related, family issues or what have you. That was the first one that was very impactful. And I just started connecting the dots from that moment and really all the way up till, you know, 2000, December 25th, 2014. Really just, we'll talk competition here, of really just finding, going through the process of finding true self and start winning the game of life. Hmm. And taking these episodes in life, we all have them. Big, some are big, some are small but really taking the ones that really maybe have shaped you in a way sure, and really analyzing what did I learn in each of those moments? Right. And that's what this will say self-discovery process has been for me doing this, which includes this show. Right. Cause with that, if I win that game, I don't think you and I are here. <laughs> just it's well, just, you're on a whole different trajectory. Well, who knows? Well, who knows what the trajectory would have been? But that's that's the point is is just connecting the dots with everything. These major things that happened in your life, and you know, something happens to all of us when we're a kid that is big. It doesn't have to be you know pitching in a game, but something in a big you know little league World Series game with you know twenty thousand people in front of you, but. Something happens to all one of us that really kind of shapes who you are. Shapes who you are up to a certain point, or can can give you inf- I guess maybe give you information. Sure. Of where you are in your path, and I feel like it's the it's the ultimate exercise. You know, writing. You know, not to go on a different. You know, the writing in those journals. We're talking about business and sports and all my journals I've written were all, a lot of it was about in a way about competition. I'm accumulating this. Why don't I feel good? Hmm. We're at the, t- I'm starting my own business and we're doing well, we're doing better, you know, right. W- what's missing. Mm-hmm. So this winning and losing really when we break it down and maybe bring it into the, the spiritual realm a little bit is a teacher is a teacher and could teach us about ourselves. Right. Versus versus a measurement. Versus a measurement. or You know. Right. I've got 20 wins and five losses. Right. Right. Why why is the measurement, why do we put such a, what's the word? Emphasis. Big emphasis on the measurement. Well, that's kind of because of... uh, I mean, let's talk about you. I'm gonna let's bring it back to you. You sure. do kung fu. Yep. There is measurements in place, right? I mean, you get this belt, you get that belt. Yeah, those but, are yeah. But from what I know, you're not doing it for the color of the belt. I mean, no. it's part of the journey, but you're not. Are you? I mean, I, I, I make no, no. I mean, it, because that's not really the emphasis of the practice. In fact, in our school, when we when somebody is is given rank or given a belt. They test for it, and the belt is not for that per, that individual, but it's for the school. Hmm. 
And that's that's kind of the belief system we have. It's not that's it's great. not for me. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for the school. Right. Because I, it makes the school better yeah. and it makes helps other students be better yeah. and helps, you know, everything goes with it. And that's like healthy competition in a way that can be defined as like because there is competition. I mean, that the, I guess what I'm getting is the competition with oneself. Sure. Like, to you to get to that next level, you're competing with I myself. Mean, you're with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're not saying I want to get a black belt because that guy's got a black belt. You're you're saying I want to get a black belt because it's the next challenge in this evolution of my journey. It's the it's, or whatever it's a piece of growth. Yeah, let's say right. Well, I think there's that, but I, let's talk about like you know I've been thinking about lately. You know, I just started my softball season. Okay, good. Right, Tory Hunter. Yeah, Tory Hunter. My, I'm in the what is it? 18th season. Well, again, we have a press conference on this podcast. Yeah, it might be happening soon because oh. I had my game last night. And my back is killing me. <laughs> but you know, there's there's young guys on our team. Let's say, and now I'm the I'm the old guy. Right. I'm one of the old guys. We have we got we actually have a couple guys that are older than me. But you know, um, and it's funny because you see, you kind of see yourself in younger people. And kind of those thoughts that you had when you're young about I'm gonna, I'm gonna win at all costs, right? I'm diving for that no matter what. Now when I'm like running after, if I yeah. see something, I like I I have to think twice. I'm like, is it really gonna be worth it to dive at this moment? I may catch it, I may not, but I know I'm going to suffer some sort of pain and possible injury if I don't do it correctly. Right, right. And these things, as you get older, those things run in and run through your head. And I think the interesting thing is, is that I play for a whole different reason now. Before it was about winning and, and like pushing your body to its limits and, you know, trying to do, be the best that you could be. And, you know, that's still in there, but now it's kind of, especially in my 18th season, I'm kind of like sitting on the bench. I'm like, yeah, I just like, I like hanging around with these guys and, and watching the game and playing and getting out and running and getting some fresh air. It's a whole different mentality yes. now. Yes. As you get older. Yeah. And, you know, you get those moments where, you know, you still get those competitive moments where, oh, my gosh, it's two, two out. We're down by a run. Base is loaded and you're up. Yeah. You're like, okay, I got I to gotta step I got up this. To, this, I got this. to this occasion. But it's still another. It's even in those instances, the mindset's different. You know, before it's oh, I'm gonna do this. And I'm gonna, we're gonna win this thing. Mm -hmm. Now it's up there. I'm like, okay, I've been here before. Mm -hmm. Just gotta do my thing, and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's like it's it's different, and I think just it's I think it's a natural thing that as you get older, you kind of you get wiser, you yeah. learn, you've got experience, and. You just look at things differently, especially competition and winning and losing. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I mean, we could do a whole show on this, but I just... Well, we are. <laughs> no, on this topic I'm about to bring. Oh, okay. But it's competition with our kids. And, oh, that's interesting. You know, you can do a whole... We can, I mean, we can go on We might have on. to save that for another one. Yeah. Um, that we let our kids be our kids. Let the, you know, oh, yeah, and learn sure. from this. And I will tell you, my kids, you know, they're 16, 14, 12, play, played competitive soccer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes parents can get out of control. Oh, yeah. And it's all about the winning of the game. And, you know, it's, again, we can do a whole show on that, but... You know, just as a parent watching your kids and just being wise and learning from, you know, our, I would say, lessons is to make sure, at least with that, I'm doing the best that we can, is I make sure that my kid wants to play because they love it and don't feel like they have to. Yeah. And there's that balance of, well, you want to keep your kid in activities and keep them busy, they're not laying on the couch or, right. you know, they're not on their phone. But it's really our job then, and that, that's where the challenge can be, is to really explore with your child that what do they love to do? Because it, what, what they may love to do, you may never even thought that you even like to do. Right. You know, just because I grew up and did this, this, and this 
doesn't mean that's going to be the same for my kid. Right, right. Just you because know? you were in the Little League World Series. Right. Oh, the, Listen, Doesn't mean your your daughter's gonna do it. No, right. I mean, none of them. I mean, they all played maybe a couple of years of softball, and that was it. Yeah, and that was fine by me. And it's just, and you know, I'm blessed that you know they love playing sports. It's great. I love to go to watch the games and see them. But you know, I think one of the things that um, you know doesn't bother me. It's just being awareness is is sometimes you know parents can get a little take it a little take take a take it a whole different way right especially you know i can get a big game like maybe a, a state championship game or something but you know when it's these non really important games you know i don't know again we could do a whole different show well, i think it. well i think it's perfect though because this kind of this this is part of the conversation of winning and losing because that's mm-hmm. also about is if you're watching your child and they're competing. Is it about winning and lo- like? Are you right. pushing that mentality of you have to win, you got to do this, and and you get negative because something bad happened? And that's kind of not the point, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I guess what we're trying to say and what we've been talking about the point is that they're actively competing, and they're by going through that experience, they're growing themselves. Yes. In whatever way it is. In whatever way it is, absolutely. And. And really to keep it at that. And keep it, it that simple. whether it's your kids or whether it's yourself, you need to support that growth, not support the fact that you're going to win or lose. Right. Or the but, outcome. I mean, I guess that's that's what I, when I think about it, that's what I, that's the path I want to take. Mm. I don't, you know, winning or losing is a consequence, but what you do is what's important. And what you learn from both of those. Right. Alright, well, I All think right. that's another great show. We had John Sally. We talked about winning and losing. Lots of stuff this week. Kind of touched on our kids. Maybe we'll uh, bring that back up in a future episode. And uh, if you want to have the next pod queued up, make sure you subscribe to the Humble Warrior Podcast on iTunes. Following us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod and liking the Humble Warrior Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Until next week, live brave. Join us next week for the next episode of the Humble Warrior Podcast. Subscribe to the Humble Warrior Podcast by visiting chrisforte.com.